Best Christmas ever. That's right. Uh, it's that time of year. All the Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, even the Christmas brag letters start coming out. And everybody's painting and showing us how perfect their Christmas is, how perfect their life is. And, you know, and the reality is we know, we know that uh, behind the scenes, somebody's forgotten a kid or the, 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 the cake is burning or whatever. The, you know, we all live in a messy, broken world. And we, we, and the, but there seems to be this expectation that we would have the best Christmas ever. Last week we saw that we would have the best life after and we would chase after that and achieve somehow this best life. And last week we saw that Jesus actually offers us a better life. If we would let go of this chase for the better, best life, he would offer us an even better life. And a life of giving and sacrificing into others. But there's another thing that happens this time of year. I don't know about you guys. It's the decorating. Right? So this week, I you know, managed not to kill myself nearly. Uh, moving heavy boxes out of the attic and into the house. And, you know, and going and uh, having bought a Christmas tree and make, make that into the house with all the mess. And, and there's boxes and bows and ribbons and all this stuff. I mean, at some point during the week, um, we had a, some, a kind of a surprise guest. And they came in to witness what I would describe as a Christmas bomb that had gone off. A Christmas explosion. There was boxes and bows and stuff everywhere. It looked crazy because we were getting ready to make it look perfect. Because we have a party coming up this Sunday, by the way. Everybody's invited at our house. And so when everybody shows up to our house at that point, it'll look perfect. It'll be the best home ever. Because, you know, and that's the pressure we feel sometimes is that we would have the best home best house ever that's and so we kill ourselves to make homes look perfect and so we can and better yet we can post it on facebook or instagram and make everybody jealous or envious of how awesome our home looks but deep down though if we're really honest we are all really searching and seeking chasing after the perfect home aren't we it's like songs like i'll be home for Christmas, or, or if we're not chasing after that home, we're looking back to that childhood home when it was so great and things were so awesome. And so every one of us is trying to find the best home ever, hashtag or whatever, and it's something that drives each and every one of us. And if you think about it, it's the American dream, right? To have that perfect house, the, the, the great house, and, and then once you move in, it's like, oh, we got to upgrade. And that, and that is why the 2008 economic crisis was probably the largest economic downturn, you know, in, in the history of modern history. Um, again, the problem is, the harder, as hard as we seek to achieve the, the best home ever, it always seems just a little out of reach, doesn't it? But here's the thing, Jesus don't, doesn't just offer us the best life ever, he also offers us a better home. He offers us the best home ever, but there's a, there's a problem. Okay, because Jesus here in, in, in um, John 14, he offers us and comforts us with words that says, there's a better home for you. There is a better home for you. The problem is, though, first of all, the problem is, first of all, is that we're missing something. We're missing something about this true home that he offers. We're missing true home. And so, first of all, we're, first of all, positively on this is that we're missing home because we miss it. 
something we're missing home. We're, for example, um, we long for a home, don't we? We long for a place to call home. And so think about movies and music and songs or whatever. Uh, like, for example, like the famous movie uh, Wizard of Oz, right? What's the phrase, remember? No place like home, right? There, I mean, there's countless movies and stories like that. I can remember, actually, our kids just watched this uh, when we were up in the mountains because there was no, hardly any TV or internet. So we had to go into the old DVDs that they had there at the place. And we found this old one called Milo and Otis. Anybody remember that one? It's about the little pug and the cat. They get, they, they get lost, and they're trying to find their way home. We resonate with that, don't we? I think there's another one called Homeward Bound that was a little bit later. So you know, get, make, modernize that a little bit or whatever. Okay, but here's the thing. We're all engaged in this lifelong search to make a new home for ourselves and our families, which is at the same time a search really to find something more, wholeness, comfort, the comfort of home, a place to say, this is where I belong. Don't we, we all long for that. Okay, uh, one guy put it this way. We long for and are searching for a homeness. Unfortunately, we, we, we can never find, honestly. Okay, it seems like something, it's this, this homeness, this feeling of rightness, this feeling of comfort. seems like it's about to break through in that new house or at that vacation by the sea, or that new romance, or whatever it is. It feels like that homeness is about to come, and as soon as you're about to grasp it, it seems out of reach again. And that's the reality we live in. And so, so that's this, this longing, this hope. We're always looking for a new home. But unfortunately, we, we, it constantly gives us this inner sense of alienation or homelessness, doesn't it? Don't you feel it? I mean, the secular psychologists recognize it. Um, even Karl Marx and uh, Jung, uh, uh, Freud, they all recognize that every human being has this deep sense of alienation within them. Why? And, and so, for example, I fa- I, my granddad used to um, sing this old song. I thought this must have been some, because he was from West Virginia. He was like, grew up in a coal mining home town or whatever. I thought this must have been some hillbilly song that nobody's ever heard of. Okay. But listen, it goes like this. I wandered again to my old cabin home. I'm not going to sing guys. I I will, I will save y'all that. Okay. I wandered again to my old cabin home. I called for my loved ones that I wanted to see. I waited the voice to bid me come in, but nobody answered me. And the chorus goes, I called, I called, but nobody answered. I searched everywhere, but no one I could see. I knocked on the door like I oft had before, but nobody answered me. It's a haunting song. And it doesn't end well. I mean, this song doesn't have a happy ending. It's, it's a great country. Country songs are great at making you sad, aren't they? They do sad really well. And this is one of them. And I thought, man, this is some obscure song. Nope. Like five major recording artists performed this song. It even was uh, performed on the famous hit show, Hee Haw. Y'all remember that one? Some of y'all are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. He's crazy. It was a great show called Hee Haw. Go look it up on YouTube. You will laugh because it was ri- ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> but why? Why do we resonate with a song like that? Why do country songs that would say that I'll go home and, and nobody's there? Because we know that feeling. We've been there. We've gone to the old 
back to our old homes. We've got, tried to get back there, or we've tried to keep home, and we get there, and it's just not quite right. There's one guy, there's a, a story of one guy, he was a soldier, and he went out to battle, and it was, it was gone for years and years. Finally got, made it home, and they had, the, the kids had made this banner. Uh, it said, Welcome Home. They had missed the extra thing to make it home. And he said, that was just a symbol of what I began to feel when I came home. It was just not the same anymore. And the home I had been longing for and fighting to get back home to just wasn't the home. And that's what we, we all re- resonate with. Why? Well, because every one of us is missing home. Every one of us are homeless. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. God, well, Genesis 2, God creates man and woman. It's all good. He puts them in home. He puts them in paradise. In this place where they would be happy and flourishing. And they would be at home. And they rebel against God. They turn away from Him. And what happens? Okay, in verse 23, they're kicked out of the garden. They're barred. And now from every one of us have inherited alienation and homelessness. We all feel it. So we fight and we claw and we strive to try to make home in this world or at least get back to the good old days. But we're, and we are also, we're really missing the reality. Okay, not we're missing home, but we also miss the reality that it is impossible to make this place home. Your efforts to make home here will be thwarted. They will be stymied. You will find frustration trying to make home here. Some of y'all know that. Some of you are older and you know what it's, you've tried. You've been there. You've done that. And now it's just kind of, maybe it's bitterness. You look back or maybe it's nostalgia. You look back to that time when it was great. You know, and the younger folks are looking ahead saying, oh, I'm going to get there. We're, we're going to have the perfect home. We're going to do it. And Christmas is when we feel that longing and that striving even more, don't we? Because so, but the reality is we live in a hostile world. So do y'all remember the movie, Mar- The Martian? This came out recently. Uh, Matt Damon was in it. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all saw it, didn't? But it, it was this great picture. I mean, here he is, stranded alone on Mars, trying to make it a home. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's one of the most frustrating movies because he's trying to grow food and he's trying to do things. Everything goes wrong. And the reality of it is he's got to get out of there. He's got to get out of there because that place is not going to ever sustain him as a home. And that's the reality that we live in here. We live in a fallen, broken world. And it, your attempts to create home here will be uh, crushed. And so, for example, a guy named J.C. Rowell. Pull up this quote for me. An old commentator said this, talking about this. He said, heart trouble is the commonest thing in the world. No rank or class or condition exempt for it. No bars or bolts or locks can keep it out. Partly from inward causes and partly from outward causes. Partly from the body and partly from the mind. And partly from what we love and partly from what we fear. The journey of life is full of trouble. And so Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And So what is this home? He offers us a better home. He offers us comfort and says, don't let your heart be troubled in this effort. And so we need to see the meaning, the meaning of true home. What is the meaning of true home? And so John starts this chapter repeat, uh, quoting Jesus' words. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. It's a, this is a great passage for, for Christmas. Because it's either, this is a, you don't normally preach at Lent. 
you know, celebrating or looking to the death of Jesus, or funerals. This is a great funeral uh, passage here. You know, a lot of a lot of pastors will preach this at funerals. But Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. He wants to let them know their hearts shouldn't be troubled while existing in this troubled word. And, and here's the thing, though. These guys particularly had good reason to be troubled in this moment. Because this, this passage really connects to, to the previous chapters, like the one we saw uh, uh, last week, chapter 12, when Jesus basically says, I'm going to die. And if a seed doesn't fall into the ground and die, it won't bear fruit. I'm going to be lifted up. He meant on a cross. And then in chapter 13, okay, um, he, he tells of his betrayal by Judas. And then his denial by Peter. And so he has just laid all this heavy stuff on them. They're probably troubled. And even though Jesus, who's about to face his death in several hours after this, probably should have been the one receiving comfort, he's offering comfort to them. He's like, I understand. You live in a troubled world. You are troubled, but don't let your heart be troubled. Trust me in this. So he says, believe in God, believe in me. Now, the best way to, I think, to translate that is, trust me. Trust in me. Because trust in God. All right? And so these, you know, they, these guys had reason to be troubled. They had pinned all their hopes on this new Messiah, this guy, Jesus, who was feeding 5,000, who was walking on miraculous things, and now he's told them he's going to go away. He's going to die and he's going to go away. And so they're troubled. He, so they know. And so, but here's the thing. Jesus comforts them and says, don't let your heart trouble. Why? Because he offers them the true home. He offers them the true home. Look in verse 1 through 3. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You believe also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, I would sit at in that childhood home that you grew up in. Or that time when, when you, you, everything felt right but then went away. It, all those things have been a hint that I'm going to give you. Because home is where you belong, isn't it? Home belongs to you. It's a place where you belong and, and it belongs to you. It's a place where you are loved, cherished, accepted, safe and whole. Home is where worry and fear are gone and all need is provided. Home is where you go through the door, the door's flung wide open actually, they, and you're, they, people run out to greet you and usher you in, and not, they're not just tolerating you and accepting you, which is good, right? Nobody wants to be rejected, but not just tolerating, but, but that people, you're being delighted in, and you're welcomed in, and you're, you have, you're ushered to a seat at the table, and all is right. That's the home we long for, isn't it? And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare true home for you. And that true home he gives us is in the presence of the Father. He's going to go prepare a place for us. What, he's, what does he mean? He's going to die. He's going to suffer. He's going to be separated from the Father. So that we have a place at the table. So that we can be invited in. Not just as guests. Not just being tolerated or accepted, but rather that we would be invited in as sons and daughters. That we would be invited in to the family, to home. So, how do we get there? How do we get to that home? So what is the means to getting this, this new home? What is the means of true home? And he tells us, he says, I'm the way. 
I'm the way to the true home. Jesus is the way to the true home. Okay? And, the, and the, the, the place we really need the most, the place where our hearts have longed for our entire lives are in the presence and in the glory of God. Blaise Pascal, a uh, Christian philosopher and theologian, I don't know what he was, all of what he was, but he was a lot of things, I think. He said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made, to know, made known through Jesus Christ. So there's a God-shaped hole in us. And, and this, this sense of home is only ever going to be found in the presence of God Himself. Right? But Thomas, Thomas here, you remember Thomas the doubter? He doubted after the resurrection. Okay, I relate to Thomas. Because Thomas... Like, but Thomas says this, verse 5, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how do we know the way? And, and Jesus says, you know the way. You know, so if you need to get home and you're lost or you're somewhere, what do you do? Now, I know guys don't ask for directions. Although we use, we, we'll, we'll use GPS now, right? But this is like, so, you know, sometimes you need a guide. Somebody we need to take you there. And that's... That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to guide you there. So it's like they, uh, I remember this used to be a thing. I worked at Home Depot for a very short time. And I remember one of the things they hammered on us is if somebody asks you where something is, they have totally lost this somewhere because they don't do this anymore. But if somebody asks you where this or that is, don't just point to the aisle. So Jesus isn't saying, oh, this is maybe how you can do it. This is how you can make your way to that or what, to, to, to home. Okay, you were to go with them. I will take you there. Let me show you. Oh, here it is right here. And that was the kind of service that Home Depot demanded. But that's the, that's what Jesus is saying he's going to do here. He's saying, I'm going not the way I'm going to go. I'm going to prepare a place for you through my death and resurrection. I'm going to give you access. I'm going to give you the ability to be there. And then, then it's not like, oh, I'm just going to you got to make your own way there. He says, then I'm going to return and I'm going to take you there. I'm going to with you in the process i'm going to be with you in this and i'm going to take you there and so jesus tells us that we do know the way he says i am the way i am the truth and the life he is the way okay so so in other words no other methods or other schemes are going to get us there our achievements to try to make home here is not going to get us to true home he says if you want true home you need to come there through me okay and he also says he's the truth Right, and so it, here's the thing. Like, think about it. If you ever go back home, I don't know where you're from. If you're from here, it, it would be here. You know, so if you're down from here, down in the south, you know, things we use words like y'all, or grits. You know, and JD and I were working on this together, and he's, they say they say things like Ewans and that. They have like pierogies. I don't even know what a pierogi is, but he he said he didn't know what a, a grit was either. So, um, uh, so uh, but we know the language of home, don't we? When you go home. There's a certain language, there's a lingo, there's a, and that's what he's saying, I am the way, I'm the truth, I am the language of home. And then lastly, he says, I'm the life. It's like last week, we, we're chasing after that best life, trying to achieve that life, that, but he says, I am that life. And so follow me there. And so Jesus is the one that through his perfect life, sacrificial death, that we are now invited home. Door is flung open, and we have a seat at the table. That's the picture. 
And so, here's the problem then. There are competing homes. There are counterfeit homes. There are homes in this world that would try to convince you that this is where you need to be. So I don't know if y'all have ever heard, if, y'all, if, if you've ever read or, uh, of Homer's Odysseys, Homer's, Homer's Odyssey. Well, in the Odyssey, um, there's a story of uh, Odysseus. And he's trying to return to his homeland of Ithaca. And, you know, and, so, and so after leaving a fight against the enemies of his kingdom, um, the, uh, so it's just he's making his way and trying to get home. And there's all these perils and things that happen. I've, I've referred to when he passes the of the sirens. You know what I'm not talking about? And, uh, and as it contrasts him and Orpheus. But he, so eventually they make it to this one place that is full of uh, these creatures who are trying to convince his sailors to eat these lotus flowers. And the problem is, though, they're very beautiful and they're very tasty, but within these flowers, there's like a drug or a su- substance that, that makes them, um, and so, so, uh, so it's this fruit of the lotus, really, it's a fruit. And as soon as they eat the fruit, they lose all thoughts of home and long for nothing more than to stay there eating more fruit. And so only by d- literally dragging his men out on back of the ship are they able to sail back home. And here's the thing. This world offers us lotus fruit. It says, this can be your home. You've got a shed in the back. You know, you got that new mixer. You know, that new carpet or new tile now. You know, or we're going to upgrade. I got four bedrooms now. This is going to be great. I got my kids. Everything's great. Best Christmas ever. Just keep eating. Just keep eating. Jesus says no. Like Odysseus, he wants to drag us out of here saying, listen, this, this is not your home. C.S. Lewis talks about this. Like there's all these pleasures, all these things. And listen, they're from God. Let me just let you know. There is a pleasure in this world that is from the hand of God. And he scatters it broadly. Everybody can enjoy some of the blessings, what we call his general grace that goes to everybody. And so the pleasures of watching a great football game or eating a bowl of stew or whatever it might be, those are from God. But listen, uh, C.S. Lewis put it this way. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends. So there's some pleasant hotels along the way. Listen, but will not encourage us to mistake them from home. So we, you, it's not mean, you don't have to mean you burn your house down tomorrow because of Russell's sermon. Please don't do that. Okay? It doesn't mean you can't enjoy the glimpses of home that we have here. We need to celebrate those, but realize God would never encourage us to mistake that for our true home. There is a better place. There is a better home. So this, as a matter of fact, uh, in the book of Hebrews, we see that the saints of old, this is what they did. And, in, and because they were not mistaking the things here in this world as home, their true home, they instead were able to face some really horrible things. And he lists you know, things like being imprisoned and uh, torn by beasts and sawn in half, all these things that they faced in their faith. And then he goes on to say this, bring this up, Hebrews 11. Says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that had been promised. 
They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Aren't you? Aren't you looking? Aren't we deep down? We already said, deep down, we're looking for a country that's our own. A place where we belong and belongs to us. But it's, you're not going to find it here. So this week I had some, some hard news, actually. And it's amazing because I was preaching this. So I just heard my granddad call me. And said that now they are have just he has finally decided to sell their house. Not a big deal in most cases, right? They moved into that house in 1953. That's 60 something years. My math's not so good. <laughs> 65 years. 65 years of family, of home, dinners, Thanksgivings, Christmas, new children, high school college grandkids and so my cousins and i when my grandmother died they started talking about selling this house the, my cousins and i who grew up going having cousins week at my, my grandmother and all these great memories and times we're crying because not that place was the like, was one place in in this world that we know of as a stable home but here's the thing it's it's she's passed away Grandkids are grown up, scattered. My grandmother's passed away. And my, my granddad, he's, prob- he's about to be 90. And he knows he's, not, he's leaving. He's not going to be here much longer. So they're going to sell it off and get the best price they can. And all that memory, all that home is gone. And it makes me sad. It really does. Because it was a pleasant end along the way. It really was. But it was not my true home. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me and believe in God. Trust me. Because I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going I'm to usher you there. And that is the beauty of what we call the gospel. The, that is the good news. Is that, yes, there are some very enjoyable, amazing things Pleasant ends along the way in this world, and we need to we need to give our family we need to give our families we need to give our kids the best home we can. Because you know, guys, guess what, guys? But we need to make sure. Number one, we want to point them to a better home. We want to give them a little taste, a little glimpse of what home can be. But we need to be careful, especially you, as we talk about baptism and raising our children up in, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that we would constantly be teaching them this isn't the true home. It's just a picture of it. Let me tell you, it's so much better. It's so much more perfect. It is a place that you can finally kick back and say, I have arrived. Pop the, pop the chair back and rest. And that's what Jesus has done for us. So this morning, if you are... Um, you've never received Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. He, he's, he's offering it to you. It's free. What I mean free, totally free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to do certain things. All you have to do is say, I believe it, I want it, I'll take it. That's all you do with a gift, right? If someone tries to pay you for a gift, it's not a gift. It is a gift by faith and faith alone. And for you, for those here who have, have, have received Jesus and believe in him, the ch- there's a challenge here that we would not mistake the things of this world for true home. 
that we wouldn't be, get caught up eating our lotus fruit. You know, and just getting lulled and, and, and drugged into thinking that this is it. And, and so here's the thing, too, just real quickly. This also helps us, like it did with the saints of old that the author of Hebrews tells us, that we can, when, when hardship, when terrible things happen in this world, when, when our childhood grandparents' home gets sold off, we can, we, we can think, we can even count that as a blessing. Why? Because it's just another reminder it's a lesson. This, this ain't our home. We have a home. And it is glorious. And we can look forward to it. Because there will be a day, as we're told in God's word, when God brings heaven to earth. And, and we're going to be at the, the great wedding feast of the Lamb. When, when, when God comes down and, and there's, we, are, we are all united together with him. And there's going to be an endless party feasts that goes on for eternity and this world that we know is broken and and messed up is going to be restored and renewed and we're going to live here with God in his presence forever that's the good news let's pray heavenly father we thank you